This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> As a highly sensitive and or introverted person, We manage our emotions and reactions better when we are well-resourced. Well-resourced for sensitive people means we've had time to ourselves to develop self-awareness, self-discipline, and self-soothing, as well as time with others to create trusting, safe, and loving relationships. Interdependence and being well-resourced go hand-in-hand. We arrive at interdependence by advancing along a maturity continuum. We move through the maturity continuum by passing in and out of stages of dependency and independence, and ultimately landing in interdependence. Valerie Atelis interviews Brenda Knowles, the author of The Quiet Rise of Introverts, Eight Practices for Living and Loving in a Noisy World. Brenda Knowles and her website is where sensitive people and their loved ones learn to build emotional and relationship resilience. Brenda has written over 500 posts on introversion, relationships, anxiety, depression, and parenting. She is trained in family meditation and child advocacy. Meet Brenda at brendanoles.com. Here is the interview with Brenda Knowles. In your own words, who is Brenda Knowles? Wow, right off the top here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who is Brenda? You know, the easy go-to is to come up with all the roles that I play. I'm a writer. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a special ed paraprofessional. I'm a personal coach. Um, In my center, in my deepest part, I think I'm someone who's very, very interested in learning and has a kind of quiet, soft center that is a good listener that loves to learn about people and at times, you know, isn't the loudest person in the room, but is the person taking in a lot, you know, taking a lot of the energy, a lot of the emotion, a lot of the verbal expression. Just someone who cares, I guess. I am learning as I go, I'm 51 at this point. So I feel like kind of becoming more and more whole as I get older. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When I think about who we are, it's just, um, it's interesting how sometimes it falls into the unknown. Right. And I think it's ever expanding. I mean, really, I think I, I feel like I was just telling my husband the other day, I feel like I am 
I have more, I used to always be, oh, I'm pretty quiet and introverted and I like my space and solitude. And now I'm like, you know, I really, really appreciate community and people. So it's just sort of, I think, growing, kind of developing both sides of our, yeah, our soul, I guess. I don't know. It's um, interesting. Though. Yeah. I love the word you used, expansion. So it is, um, it really feels like it. I love the way you say it too in your book, you call it the inner and outer world. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that dance, right, between both worlds. Right. Yeah. And like I said, when I was younger, I think I felt the inner world was completely my home or, you know, that's where I felt the most comfortable, but it's changing. It's growing, you know, so I, I'm, I'm equally or learning to be equally comfortable and at home in the outer world as well with people. And So talk to me about balance. What is your idea of balance? Is there a destination for a balanced life? I think to me, balanced means whole. And what I've learned, you know, over my many years, there's never going to be a time that I, I believe where we feel complete equanimity or, you know, completely balanced. It's usually, you know, sometimes for me, and I write a lot about introversion and highly sensitive people and working with the inner world and the outer world, like you mentioned from my book, um, that inner world and our outer world require, you know, quite often we're in one or the other more like so I have a family and they often need me. You know, I have three children and a husband and that, you know, there's pulls from them needing me. So maybe one day I am very focused on the family, but then the next day I have some time to myself to reflect, uh, to be a writer, to kind of go internal. So I think it's a back and forth, but in the long run, sort of balanced you know there, there's both but on any given day one might be more dominant but I think as we mature we learn to really work kind of incorporate and be, have sort of an interdependence between the inner world and the outer world I think that's the goal I think that's the balance is an interdependence between the inner world and the outer world Uh, interdependence. Uh, That is an interesting idea. Talk to me a bit more about that, Brenda. That was challenging for me to understand because I kind of understood the words that being dependent and then being codependent and then being independent and then like, oh, interdependent. That's interesting. So talk to me about that. I think it was Stephen Covey who said, um, maturity is is courage plus consideration. And I think that is also a good definition or description of interdependence. So we have the courage to be ourselves and kind of be independent and maintain our own integrity. But then we have the consideration of others. And that's maturity, but also kind of interdependence when we allow ourselves to be connected and rely on others and and even seek some security and being part of a community, part of a family, part of a, a career, you know, somewhere, um, a job site. And having both of those where we are authentically ourselves and maintaining our own integrity and, and being independent, 
And then also having those, that connection and somewhat of a reliance. I don't love the word dependence, but it does fit. And in most relationships, there is some element of dependence. But anyway, allowing that and being okay with needing someone else, you know, asking for help and needing help sometimes, but just having that inner world of our own integrity, our own um, dreams and thoughts and soul and authentic, you know, self, but then also having this deep connection with others around us. And it can be, you know, one other person or a whole community or global, you know, where we're working with other people around the world. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. It's uh, honoring both worlds or, or everything in a way. That really fits that description of balance. And that takes maturity. I use that word, maturity. Does it come with time, Brenda? For a lot of people, I think, yes, but in my experience and with a lot of the coaching that I do, I find that relationships are the perfect sort of crucible, you know, for learning that interdependence because it's a fight, you know, when you're a child, your needs are foremost, you know, you're, you're pretty self-centered and I don't mean like in a selfish, but like your world is <laughs> what you need, you know, you your need for survival and what you need for your own happiness and self-esteem. Then as we get older and we have more interactions with others and, and we develop romantic relationships, we develop close friendships, things, it becomes, you know, a little bit more, you know, we're involved and we become more mature, but within those relationships, there's also things like conflict that, unease when we realize we're not going to always get our way or we feel like we're kind of giving up parts of ourselves to maintain a relationship. So within that, even within the conflict, we're growing and maturing. So that's where I think a lot of the maturity comes into being by being in relationship and giving up some of that independence, some of that self-centered in in the, you know, I, I believe in being centered. That's Awesome, all for it. But then also, you know, we can be centered and be in a relationship as well. Yes. So. I, I love that. Yeah, this is something that I, resonates, per se. It might not be a belief system, but it, it resonates with me. Yeah, relationships, they have been my greatest teachers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We, well, even like as parents as well, obviously we, we have to be independent and in taking care of our children, but our children are dependent on us. So there's an interdependence between parent and child. And yeah, that relationship is very challenging, but also that's where you're going to have a lot of growth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A lot of, um, inner understanding and then outer understanding at the same time. It's just this beautiful dance. Yeah, Right. You can't help but be, (laughs) you know, just plunged into both, you know, really think about what, who you are and what you want to be, you know, as a parent, but then also just what you do and and how you interact with your spouse or your, you know, co-parent and then the children as well. And anyone else who's involved with the care of your kids. There's a lot. It'd be, it definitely, children integrate you into community, you know, a lot of things. 
Oh, no doubt. I don't have the experience, but I can see that. I mean, I see that <laughs> happening around me, in my family, people who have children, yeah. how everything changed for them. In your book, you write, we need a balance between our inner and outer world. We need a balance between our temperament and our personality. I think in the book, you also mentioned the difference between temperament and personality. So talk to me for a moment about that, Brenda. Yeah, that's one thing that I have learned a lot about over the last 10, 12 years. I've been researching and writing about temperament and personality. Um, So temperament is basically what you're born with. It's more innate. It's something that doesn't really change. Um, Like some people are more sensitive right from birth. Their nervous systems are you know, gauged a little bit higher, they react stronger to novel stimuli and things. Um, And then personality is sort of what you become as you are shaped throughout your relationships and throughout your life. It has a lot to do with the nurturing you receive. So I think temperament is more nature and personality is more nurture. So, um, it can change. Um, and even temperament can be tempered a little bit over time due to how you're raised. And if you have very secure, loving relationships, especially when you're a small child, you might not be as reactive. If you are more of a sensitive person, you're more likely to thrive and, and really you know, use that high re- reactivity to be very conscientious, to be very good at self-control and that kind of thing. But Yeah, so it's interesting. They're definitely different, but they are, from all the studies I've seen, it's basically like 50-50 how they contribute to our growth, you know, and to who we are, you know, shaping us to become the individuals we are. Right, yeah, the way we have been conditioned, yeah. I mean, the presentation we have today is a conditioning from, yeah, that's interesting when you say we are, some of us are just um, born uh, this way with the temperament. That's true. Yeah, I see that. I clearly see that. Yeah, it's very interesting. And that can be passed down to that sensitivity. It's like a genetic, you know, thing, which I always think is interesting. Right, right. It's interesting how everything's connected in a way, right? Like, um, the body is sort of connected to the earth itself. We see that uh, in nature, we see that everything's so different and has their own, uh, let's say, flow, a natural. Right, their own pace. Yes, own, unique, yeah, right? Seasons and things, right, yeah. Yes. It is pretty amazing. And we are right in there, you know, as part of it as humans. And yeah, I think it's very... Right, that we are nature, we're not separate from nature. Yeah. Right. Yes. So uh, I have a few more of these uh, warm-up questions for you, Brenda. The next one's about true power. How do you define true power? I think true power is being able to own who you are. I have a daughter who's uh, very sensitive and she has two older brothers and they were often kind of tough on her. You know, as sometimes older brothers can be, not all, obviously. But but I always, like my knee-jerk reaction would be to rescue her, you know, to help her and to stick up for her. And But then I realized by doing that, I, you know, it just made my sons more mad because they thought I was favoring her. 
And it was taking away her true power. It wasn't letting her develop that and and learn how to give it back and, and, and stand up for herself. So I think true power is just owning anything that it takes courage. Like sometimes even enthusiasm takes courage, you know, like to be excited about something. You know, some people are embarrassed to show that excitement, but like just owning it. Like if you're really excited about going to the fair or something, you know, like show it. I think that's true power or not letting, you know, other people's judgment hold you back. Just be like, nope, that's me. And I, you know, this is how I work. And, and hopefully it's in a positive direction, but like just, like I said, kind of owning how you feel, what motivates you, you know, what you're into, what you're interested in and things, just really not being afraid to show that and run with it. I love that, of course. <laughs> yeah, this vision that we can do that, that we can be ourselves, but not in a separated, judgmental way. We can just honor our own uniqueness. We Even can, mistakes, uh, you know, if we make mistakes, like own them, be like, yeah, that wasn't my best move or I, I shouldn't have done that. And then when there's power in that, just being able to admit it and and really that I think it's powerful for other people too to hear someone say when they made a mistake or admit of a you know a vulnerability of theirs or a flaw or something so that they feel like they have permission to do the same. Does it resonate with you, Brenda, this idea that self-love is connected to true power, to being ourselves, to having the courage to be who we yeah, are? Yeah, I guess I, I, for a long time, I had a hard time using the word self-love, I, I don't know. I, I guess I felt like it was kind of indulgent, but I know I feel different about it now because I, I have kind of a different definition of it. And, and it is more like we've been talking about where it is, where you own your own being, you know, who you are and and you're good with it. You know, you're okay with it. You know, I don't think of it as I love myself. I'm a good person. I'm, you know, kind of like saying those things so much, but more like I can accept where I am right now (laughs) as a person, you know, and that is more self-love. And I think that's that I can get behind or, you know, and that resonates with me. Yeah. Self-acceptance. Yeah. That's a beautiful uh, practice, I would say. Sometimes I used to think about self-love and self-acceptance as an understanding, like a moment in time of that kind of understanding. But then it seems like it's uh, that happens, but then we keep expanding, as you mentioned earlier, and growing into right. what that is. Kind of ever evolving, right? Yeah, right. What is to really accept myself? And am I being authentic now? And haven't I really been authentic my entire life? Because I didn't really know anything else. So I don't believe in choice. I know it's a tough one. The acceptance thing is interesting. As you're talking, I'm kind of thinking my husband used to say, you know, when we would have some like an argument about something, he would say, well, you just have to accept that's who I am or that's, and I had a really hard time with that. I think, yeah, I'm still working on like what I believe acceptance means, but I guess I still, I think like we've been saying, we're always growing and evolving. So there's acceptance, but there's also 
knowing that there's more or that maybe you can do a little more you know, or learn a little more. I absolutely agree. And I know what you're trying to say to communicate is that that self-acceptance, the danger might be that we, we just become stuck or stagnated. And then now I accept myself. This is who I am and this is it. But I see what just you mean. Just <laughs> But I don't. I know that's not really what you mean. No, you, you know, no. like, but yeah, but yeah, I definitely just feel like there's always room for growth. I guess. Yes. Yeah. And what happens once you accept yourself where you are now? For me, has been then it kind of opens something opens up that space. Mm-hmm. I'm now in a space in the perfect space for for growth because mm-hmm. I become more open and more welcoming of life. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that's you're right. Like if you can accept what is again and just go, then it is easier to, yeah, you're open. You're like you said, to new things and what comes, what comes. Yeah, it's easier to move because now you don't feel stuck in any, like, you know, I don't accept myself, resistance and fear. It's really a contracted sort of energy that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, like we said. (laughs) Right. We want to expand. (laughs) Yes, right. And that, uh, to me, has been my experience. Accepting myself and everything the way it is, everything, just, I mean, I become, it's almost like I relate that to freedom in a way. Like, wow, I'm liberated. (laughs) And then I can do more. I can see more. Not that I believe in choice, really, but I think there's some sort of expansion that something opens up and then I can see the options more clearly now. Right. Like I said, yeah, you're, yeah, like we were saying, if there's resistance or fear, yeah, you, you don't, you're not as open to. So talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book, Brenda. So I consider myself an introvert and within the book, it's kind of my storyline growing up in a mostly extroverted family, feeling a little less than for a lot of my younger years. I had good friendships and things, but I guess it was more within my home that I felt maybe not quite as popular, gregarious, successful as so like my sister or, you know, someone growing up. So, but over time and as I matured and had new experiences and new relationships, um, there's a rise, you know, I, I changed, I became more whole, I think, um, still working, <laughs> still working on all that. But I guess I always wanted to write a book because I, I had started, I started a website over 10 years ago now, and it was, and still is, uh, brendanoles.com directed at highly sensitive people and the people who love them. And I guess I wanted to give them a voice, the, the more sensitive people, let them know they're not alone, let them know that there are many gifts that come along with being um, more sensitive or introverted. I think, I mean, that was the main inspiration, my own story, and then finding others who felt the same and were looking, you know, for an advocate or or a validation, you know, that kind of thing. So. That's beautiful. I love this intention. As I said to you off record, 
helping yourself and trying to understand ourselves and others too in connecting at that level of understanding deeper who we are and finding others that feel the same way. Although that could create the tribalism, which is dangerous in a way. Right. But I, yeah, I think, like I said, sort of that balance between the internal and external world. So mm. knowing who we are, but then also interacting with many others, you know, like a variety of people in our environment and in we don't want to slip into tribalism. Yes, no. we don't want to do that. <laughs> we have seen the the dangers of that, which is um, something that is, it seems challenging not to do in a way, right, Brenda? Because storytelling, that connects us. It's so powerful, stories. And, and at the same time, it has a danger to create that sort of um, protective and Almost like it could create hatred and rage, right? Or right, yeah, like we're better or you're, you know, us and them kind of thing, right? I think the key is to look for those universal human characteristics and connections that we all have, you know, we all want good things for our children, good things for our family. Um, you know, we want to have a comfortable home and have some free time and, and, Travel, you know, take whatever, explore how we like to explore and things. So I, uh, I think there's enough to connect us without just making different groups that are divisive. I yeah, guess. right. Yeah, without creating that, yeah, division, right, separation. And um, that's the thing about storytelling that it's not just that I relate to your story, it's that, that we are better than others. <laughs> and that's when it becomes dangerous. But I love what he said about universal connectivities. What connects us, us all, which is basically we all want to be peaceful, at peace, and happy, all of us, and safe, and feel safe. Right, right. So you also mentioned something interesting in your book you did, and, and just now about becoming more whole. That is such of a... Um, interesting idea that I have kind of expanded into it, the more I, I kind of reflect or, or, or come into this place of realization is that we have been whole all this time too. The same as mm. authenticity. We are never mm. not whole or separated from wholeness, but mm. there's a feeling of separation, right? Because mm -hmm. even with life itself being different bodies and, mm. you know, nature and everything seems very much separated. That's more like a spiritual concept. Uh -huh. But kind of makes me think about us being whole. We're never not whole. Now, there's a feeling of, of being broken, Right. Right. Or separate. Right. Yeah. yeah. And alone or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or, or not complete. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying. Yes. But it's just a feeling. It's just a feeling like everything else in a way in this human body <laughs> from this experience. Yeah. And I think maybe as we mature, we, we learn that we reveal the parts that maybe we didn't recognize or weren't as aware of you know, at one point. So I think you're, I, I like what you said about we are never not whole. We are whole, but I think sometimes we don't know that, you know, we don't feel it or know it, you know, deeply. So as we grow and learn things through our, you know, growth, I think we, it, it just becomes more revealed to us that we are 
whole. <laughs> we have both sides, you know, dark and light and, and all, you know, the introverted, extroverted, many, many, you know, it's not all binary or whatever, but it's always whole. We just have to sort of uncover it or become aware. Yeah. And we've never been taught really that we are whole, right? It's quite the opposite. We have no, been, we no, grow, everyone will point out where you're <laughs> yeah, separated. Yeah. Right. It is an undoing, unlearning for sure, to go back to that feeling of wholeness again. And I think all children, we are all born like that, feeling whole, right? Right, right, right. Yes, you know, children are usually very open and carefree and don't fear saying things or doing things. But yeah, then we sort of learn what to cover and what to reveal. Yeah. At some point that happens without even realizing we're kind of drawn into uh, this separated feeling, which I call it like, uh, it's actually really being separated wholeness. That's what we are, (laughs) being a human body and having these feelings of separation, but it's just, uh, uh, it's the dance of... Yeah, yeah, it's like what we perceive as separation. Yeah, right. So you are, and I love the way you say intuitive, sensitive, deeply feeling introvert. <laughs> I love when you say that, deeply feeling. Ah, that kind of makes me think about life itself. That's the reason we are here, the experience in the human body, to deeply feel everything. <laughs> and that's why we feel separated, because of, you know, these, these wonderful feelings. You cannot just choose them. We have one of them, everything, all feelings are included. Yes, right. Yes. And you're also a personal and relationship coach. Talk to me about your services as a personal and relationship coach, Brenda, online, offline, in person. Oh, gosh, I've done several different modes. Um, I meet with people in person if they are in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. I've uh, done many, many, many Skype, Zoom video calls with people all over the world. And then I've also done a lot of just traditional phone calls with clients. I would say most of my coaching is done one-on-one with someone, but I've also worked very quite often with couples through relationship coaching. And all of it's very rewarding. And I've learned many, many things just through the process of coaching, but I love helping others I love helping them become more whole or feel more whole, maybe, you know, become aware of their wholeness, um, help with uh, confidence, self-esteem for the individual. And then I would say the majority of my time is spent on working with people and their relationships and making those as secure and fulfilling as possible helping people deal with conflict, helping them deal with growth. You know, often one partner's in a different growth tangent than the other one and there's things going on or they feel separated, they feel disconnected. And I help help them each feel more secure so that they are very open and willing to be vulnerable and have that intimacy and connection that, don't want so and I I kind of specialize in working with people who are highly sensitive and their partners or family member or whatever um 
And honestly, quite often it's the more extroverted or the more the partner who's feeling a little more confident who will contact me and then, you know, I work with them and, and helping them understand their partner a little better and the more sensitive partner. I love it. It's a, it's like a fascinating, almost like a puzzle that I never get tired of, you know, doing, but it's, it's very rewarding, especially when I see things working and, and people connecting and feeling more confident, more themselves, more comfortable in their skin and in their relationship. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's a gift. The, it's almost like this gift that is mutual, right? It's a giving and receiving, which is the, the way I define love, giving and right. receiving. Right, and there is like, I am always kind of honored that people will share with me their struggles or, you know, where they're having a hard time and then being able to have the opportunity to help them work through those. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty awesome to witness. And It very much sounds like even listening to you, the way you talk and with the enthusiasm, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I like it. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. And and I'm thankful that I have technology and things so that I can connect with people anywhere, you know, all over the world. And that's, yeah, it's great. True. It helps a lot. Yeah. Talk to me for a moment about practice six, calming each other's nervous systems, principles of responsiveness. Oh, yeah. I think that is one of the key things for creating security and and that level of kind of peace between people. Um, and it can be any kind of relationship. And so there's being responsive, like in one small way is just when like a partner makes a bid for your attention, they might say something like, oh, hey, look, so-and-so's out across the street and they have a new car or something. And as the partner, you would turn and look out the window or whatever and, and comment on what your partner just mentioned. It's not dropping, you know, dropping the ball or, or not looking up from your phone. I mean, that is not being responsive, obviously. But there's just so, you know, the parent and child relationship where a child has an, a need or they make a request and physically turning, facing them with your chest, with your heart toward them and looking at them in the eyes and responding. That kind of responsiveness, which is better and more effective if it's in person, is very calming to someone else's nervous system. Feeling like someone is looking at you, taking the time to truly listen and hear what you said and respond in a way that shows they have an understanding of what your message was. It's an amazing gift. Like I said, it really goes a long way to make someone calm down. You know, that heart rate slows, the blood pressure goes down. There's even touch can, you know, help with that too. And like, that's what I said, why I say being in person is kind of the best way to be responsive. We we can use FaceTime and texting and things. And that's, those are all ways to respond. They're just not quite as 
peaceful or calming as someone being in person. And, you know, because looking at each other's facial expressions, noticing even clearer someone's tone of voice and those kind of things, those are other signs of responsiveness that really are richer in person. But if sometimes we don't have that luxury, so you, you do what you can. But anyway, there's a lot of yeah different techniques for different ways to be responsive. But just the, the bottom line is pay attention and, and don't let there be a million distractions. You know, you know, like actually zeroing in on someone for just a minute or two even you know, can help. Yeah. So. What a beautiful and important message. Yes, yeah. Listening, paying attention, right? It makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Just, yeah. And don't go too long, you know, between being responsive. You know, when there's a request for attention and then the response, you know, that it's important to not have a big delay, if at all possible. And sometimes we can't, you know, there's no choice, but... Just find a timely matter. It doesn't have to be in five seconds or anything. But <laughs> yeah, I see that sensitive people, or some some of us are more sensitive than others, obviously, and we are able to kind of intuitively kind of pick up those things and right the body language, the breathing. I love sensitive people, <laughs> of course. <laughs> me too. Because, <laughs> yeah, me too. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting, even like how quickly someone moves or speaks, you know, uh, someone who is pretty sensitive, it's going to notice that, you know, if someone walks into a room and walks right up to you quickly, a sensitive person is going to be more likely to maybe take a little step back, <laughs> you know, just that, that feeling of approach, a quick approach and, and things, or even if someone's talking really fast, digesting all that, if you're a more sensitive person is, harder you know it's just a little we need a little slower and more gentle approach that kind of thing sometimes thank you so much brenda for doing what you do for being you uh oh, yes that's you're it <laughs> for being yeah. you so i have a few more questions for you the ending questions before that would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book I was going to read just one short little piece here. Um, it kind of goes along with what we were talking about. It's talking about honoring our inner and outer world. And it's just a few action steps to increase our fortitude and resilience. So we are able to do that, honor both the inner and outer world. Um, and one step that I wanted to list was to seek and invest in responsive and reassuring relationships. So that to me is the number one thing to do to build our resilience, to make ourselves more open to the world, you know, to what's happening around us. Those responsive and reassuring relationships buffer us. You know, they give us that fortitude to be able to be out in the noisy world, you know, the busy, active world. Action step number two to increase fortitude and resilience is Engage in meaningful and valued work. Notice where you enter the flow state and give yourself time to deeply concentrate by minimizing distractions. So the meaningful and valued work. Do something that you're excited about, that makes you want to get up in the morning. Now, every job has its not-so-fun parts, but 
if there's some meaning behind it or something you value, that will make you stronger. You'll be able to withstand a long conference where you have to network with lots of people or, you know, something that maybe not be your favorite. But if you believe in what you're doing and it's important to you, you'll have that fortitude and strength to, to do what's needed. Um, and then the last one, number three, form your redemptive narrative. Now we didn't talk about this too much today, but um, it's a little bit. See how nature and nurturing influenced your temperament and personality and then how did your struggles fortify you? And I think that's really important. Just kind of see the things that challenged you or were hard for you growing up or whatever. See those in a light of, hey, they shaped me. They made me who I am. And because of that, I'm a stronger person and I'm able to do this and do that where other people might not be as capable. So just really noticing how you came full circle, what your narrative is and, and how it worked for you. And in the end, (laughs) that makes you stronger. It makes you feel like, okay, I lived through that. And here's why, what gifts I gained from it. That is so useful. As you read, I'm thinking, yes, 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 to all of it. So true. Thank you so much again for doing what you do. My pleasure. Yes. We need that. We need to be reminded. We need to engage in those practices and reevaluate, right, the lives that we are living in a way. Right, right. Take that time to reflect on it. And I know sometimes reflection time is a luxury, but it's... It's necessary. Yeah, it can really give you some good, true power. (laughs) Absolutely. So my... Last question to you is, what are three things you wish everyone to have, to know, or to experience or realize before they lose the body? First thing that came to mind right away is a secure relationship of some sort, be it a parental relationship, be it a romantic relationship, something where you have someone who's your teammate, person you can rely on. I want that. I guess I want people to have that sense of wholeness, I guess, where they are aware, you know, there's so much beautiful already within them where they do feel they are whole. They've got that internal and external world meshing and they have an interdependence that is working for them. You know, I feel comfortable in that, I guess. Feel comfortable in interdependence, um, which is a wholeness, really. Um, And then I just wish them health and safety, I guess. You know, like just be able to really experience the whole life, you know, the all of its richness to some degree, you know, for and, you know, to have your health and, and a safe enough environment to be able to do that. Thank you so much again, Brenda. Yeah. For everything you you do. For all your work and your great questions. Thank you. Very (laughs) thought-provoking. Thank you for the encouragement. (laughs) The body appreciates. Uh, The mind and the heart, they they are already completely in. (laughs) So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? The best place is my website, brendanoles.com, and that's K-N-O-W-L-E-S.com. Um, and 
my books are sold at all bookstores and online at all the usual places. Um, but I keep things posted. I also have some online courses at brendanoles.teachable.com. So those are, you know, for you to do on your own time and your own pace. If you don't want to go through coaching or working with me one-on-one in person, I recommend that. Um, but yeah, otherwise you can find my coaching information and everything on my website and over 500 posts on being a resilient and loving, highly sensitive person or someone who is in their life and, you know, is close to them. I'll have the links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Brenda, and we'll talk soon. Okay, great. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Brenda Knowles and her work, please visit brendanoles.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.